Hello everyone. Welcome to Fit Body Happy Joints. My name is Dr. Shannon Ritchie. I'm a physical therapist and fitness expert. I'm happy you're here today. Today, we're going to talk about how different fitness modalities or different fitness methods affect your body and your muscles. Before we get going, I say this at the beginning of every episode, if you enjoy this episode or if you're learning something from this episode, if you could take just five seconds and leave me a rating and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Um, If you are listening on Spotify, you could just give it a little follow. If you're watching on YouTube, um, subscribe and like. It means a lot to me. I try to keep these episodes really concise. We don't do ads. We don't do fancy editing. We just get right to the point. So um, it helps me grow if you just take five seconds or so to leave a nice little thoughtful review. That would be amazing. All right. So today let's get into it. How you train will affect how your body adapts. So today we're going to look into that. I'll start by talking about muscle fiber types and how to recruit different types of muscle fibers. Then I'll talk about how to load your muscles. And lastly, I'll tie it all together by talking about how different workouts like Pilates and bar and lifting and yoga and running will affect your body composition and your muscles. So let's start by talking about fiber types. This is important because your muscles are made up of different types of fibers that are stimulated differently, recover differently, and are of different sizes. So you have two primary types within a single muscle. So if you have your bicep muscle, within that bicep muscle, there are different types of fibers, two primary ones, type one fibers and type two fibers. Within your type two muscle fibers, you have several subclassifications. So for the sake of today's episode, we'll talk about our type one muscle fibers, which are the slow twitch muscle fibers. We'll lump together type 2A and 2AB, which I'll call the intermediate muscle fibers. And then we'll talk about 2B, which I'll call the fast twitch muscle fibers. So the intermediate fibers and the fast twitch muscle fibers, technically both of those are type two muscle fibers or your fast twitch muscle fibers. But again, just for the sake of today, we'll talk about slow twitch, intermediate twitch, and then fast twitch. Every muscle has a certain distribution of both type one and type two fibers. And this distribution will vary among individuals and can sometimes even vary in certain muscles. Some people may have more type one muscle fibers within their muscle and make them better at endurance activities. And some people might have a greater distribution of type two muscle fibers, which will make them generally bigger in size. They will have bigger muscles. They will be able to gain muscle uh, very quickly, and they'll also be able to produce more power. So Anyone can stimulate and grow their type one muscle fibers and their type two muscle fibers, depending on how they're training. But some people will be genetically predisposed to kind of lean a certain way. Um, They might, you know, be able to more easily stimulate their type two fibers or their type one fibers, or you might be a mix of the two. So let me just start by saying that we don't want to only stimulate one type of muscle fiber, right? We don't want to just work on our type one muscle fibers and endurance. We don't want to just work on type two muscle fibers and power. We want to stress as many of the muscle fibers as possible. Type two muscle fibers, before I get into it, are especially important to load and strengthen because as we age, one of the kind of hallmarks of aging muscle is that we slowly start to lose these type two muscle fibers. It's called sarcopenia. It's why as we get older, your muscles start to get smaller. So it's really important for us to 
really work on those type two muscle fibers and teach you how to do that today. So when I talk about load, I'll talk about how to engage both your type one fibers and your type two muscle fibers so that in your workouts, you're working as many of the muscle fibers as you possibly can, getting the most benefit out of the time that you're actually spending in your workouts. So your type one muscle fibers, let's talk about those first. These are also called your slow twitch muscle fibers, but I don't really like to use fast twitch or slow twitch. I mean, I'm going to talk about it in that way today, um, but it does sound a little misleading because it's less about speed of contractions. Like it's not that your slow twitch fibers are slow and your fast twitch fibers are fast. It's more about the amount of force they produce. So in fact, the slow twitch fibers are called slow twitch because they're actually slow to fatigue. They're more your endurance fibers. And it's not just because they produce slower movements. And the fast twitch muscle fibers are the opposite, right? They're called fast twitch because they are quick to fatigue or they're fast to fatigue. Your slow twitch or type one fibers are the first to activate because they don't take much energy for the body to engage. And your body is always trying to preserve energy. So it's always going to look for the path of least resistance. So these type, these fiber types are relatively easy to engage and they don't fatigue easily. They're your endurance fibers. They're also very quick to recover. They only take about 90 seconds to recover and recovery in this context means the physical and electrical capabilities for that muscle to be contracted again, not the recovery of your entire system or not the amount of energy that you depleted and need to recover after your workout. So you could do a workout where you only recruit type one fibers. And although your type one fibers will be able to produce force again, shortly after your workout is finished, your system may have been stressed and in need of recovery. So recovery, when I'm talking about fibers means the electrical capabilities for that muscle or that fiber type to be recruited again, your type one fibers are so they're your endurance fibers. They're uh, slow to fatigue. They, they're, they, you can use them for a long time before they fatigue and they recover very quickly. They're also smaller and they don't account for much mass in the muscle tissue itself. So this means that stimulating your type one fibers only won't account for much muscle growth as also stimulating your type two muscle fibers. Your type one muscle fibers also don't burn through as much glycogen as your type two muscle fibers do, which is one of the reasons your body prefers these muscle fibers, right? Is because they conserve energy. However, this is important to note when we're talking about body composition. So let's quickly talk about glycogen and how muscle fiber types can affect your body composition. When we eat, when we ingest food, the carbs in our food are converted to glucose. This glucose is what your body uses as fuel to operate different processes um, and to keep you alive. When your cells have enough fuel from glucose, the extra glucose is converted into glycogen and stored in the liver and in the muscle cells. So you eat, your body uses that fuel to power your processes. Whatever is left over from that food is stored in the liver and in the muscles for emergencies. And this glycogen is used by the liver to process things like digestion and your heartbeat when it doesn't have available glucose in the bloodstream. And the glycogen in your muscles is used to power kind of strong muscular contractions when you tap into those type two muscle fibers, which I'll talk about here in a moment. 
So when there's too much glycogen in your liver and in your muscle cells, the leftover glycogen is stored as fat. So this is where exercise can come in and improve body composition. Utilizing intense muscular contractions where we're tapping into those type two muscle fibers, again, which I'll talk about here in a moment, we empty the glycogen in the muscles, emptying its stores, and allows for more glycogen to flow in the next time we eat. So if we repeat this process regularly, emptying the stores of glycogen in the muscles with strength training, our body utilizes the food we are eating as fuel rather than converting it to fat. So this is like uh, storing food in your refrigerator before you've cleaned out the last week's food, right? So you just keep piling food in, piling food in, piling food in. Eventually your fridge is like overflowing with food. And we're kind of doing the same thing with our muscle cells, right? If we are not emptying that gl- those glycogen stores by using the physical capabilities of our muscle, the glycogen stores get full and the this, gly- this glucose is overflowing and stored as fat. So I don't know if that refrigerator refrigerator analogy made sense. It was the first thing in my mind because I just went grocery shopping this week, but um, you get the point. So this is why doing endurance only activities where you're really only stimulating those type one fibers, which I'll talk about towards the end of this podcast, um, just quickly things like Pilates and walking and biking that may not move the needle as much for your body composition because of its effect on glycogen. So remember, before I go any further about body composition, nutrition is far more important than exercise. Please do not rely on your workouts or blame your workouts for losing or gaining fat. It is so much more about what you're eating and your workouts are just a tiny little kind of tip of the iceberg um, to improve your body composition. So, but I will give you some kind of tips today on that. So the next, so that's type one fibers. The next type of fibers we'll discuss are type 2A and 2AB, which I will uh, refer to as the intermediate muscle fibers. These are the ones that kind of lie in the middle. These fibers have less endurance than type one or the slow twitch fibers, but a little bit more endurance than your fastest twitch muscle fibers or your type 2B muscle fibers. And they can also take longer than your type one fibers to recover. When these fibers are used and fatigued, they can sometimes take days to recover. So it takes a longer time for that electrical signal to kind of reboot and for you to be able to engage and use those muscle fibers again after they're used and fatigued uh, with a strong muscular contraction. So let's put this in the context of something that maybe we can understand. I recently had some Evlo members on the on our private Facebook group talking about biceps and how a week ago they were able to do bicep curls with heavy weight and really feel their biceps fatigue and work. And then this week when they went to do bicep curls, they feel like they can't lift as heavy as they could last week. Now, everyone's going to be a little different, but my hypothesis is that this could be because they tapped into their immediate um, or fast twitch muscle fibers on week one And maybe they need a little bit longer to recover that electrical signal, right? So when they went to go do their bicep curls on week two, maybe their bicep, the fibers weren't fully recruited and they weren't ready to engage again. So if that ever happens with any of your muscle groups, a lot of times that'll happen in glutes too, is where you can't really feel your glutes engage or just you end up feeling your back more, you feel your joints more. It could be because you need a couple of extra days to recover. And it's no big deal. It's just something to kind of take account, um, take note of and make some adjustments for yourself while you're exercising. Okay, so 
Anyways, this just illustrates the importance of recovery, right? Because this happens in all muscles, but it tends to be more easily identifiable in something like a bicep curl, probably because it's more difficult to compensate in a bicep curl than in something more complex like a step up or a lunge. So again, if your biceps are, you know, all of the muscle fibers are tapped out and they're not fully recovered, it's difficult for your body to actually complete the bicep curl with heavy weight if it can't call into action any of those muscle fibers, right? Because it's a more simple movement. It's harder for your body to compensate there. Okay, so that's the intermediate muscle fibers. Again, just to summarize, type one, they are more of your endurance fibers. They're smaller in mass. Uh, they don't use as much glycogen. They're quick to recover. Type two A and type two AB are your intermediate fibers. These are somewhere in between. They take a little longer to recover. They're a little larger in mass. Uh, they fatigue easier and they require more force in order to be called into action. And lastly, we have our type two fibers or your fast twitch fibers. These are your fastest, largest, most powerful muscle fibers. These fibers are only called into action towards the very last kind of few seconds of your set when you're very close to failure. These fibers can sometimes take weeks to recover. So they might not be called into action in every single workout, but if they are, it might mean that your body needs some extra time to recover before your body is able to utilize these fibers again. What happens with muscle fibers is that they're recruited based on perception of effort needed or based on perception of force. So your body, your nervous system will perceive, you know, I've got to lift this heavy thing. I better call in my faster twitch muscle fibers that can produce more power and get finished the lift. And, um, what will happen here, if you're lifting something really heavy, like if you're powerlifting and you're only doing one to two, you know, one to three reps for a very short amount of time, your body will skip right over those type one fibers, those endurance fibers and get those type two, uh, B or type two, a B muscle fibers going right away. A second way your muscle fibers are recruited is based on time and force. So if the load is moderate, if you're lifting a moderate amount of weight that feels challenging, but you know, something that you could do for like 60 to say 90 seconds, you can recruit all of these fibers in sequence. So what happens is your nervous system will first try to recruit the type one fibers. It will fatigue through the type one fibers because it'll quickly find that your type one fibers aren't strong enough to be able to tolerate the load. Then you'll go into your intermediate muscle fibers, fatigue those out. And then lastly, towards the very end of your set, you might get into those fast twitch muscle fibers. So if you recruit these muscle fibers in sequence based on the amount of time and the amount of load that you're using, you can get through all of your muscle fibers, which is a really effective way to stimulate your muscles. Now let's talk about load. Let's talk about how we can load our muscles to really get the most bang for your buck and circulate through as many muscle fibers as we can. So first, if you're, if the exercise is too light or too easy or going on for too long, your type one fibers will be the only ones recruited. And this is basically a recycling effect of those type one fibers because they recover quickly. Your type one fibers turn over and you continue, you can continue to use them to power your movement. So by the time your intermediate fibers are called into action, 
some of your type one fibers had the opportunity to recover since they recover so quickly and they can be used again. And remember that your body will be reluctant to use your type two muscle fibers because they take more energy to use. So if it can keep using your type one fibers, it will. So if the exercise is, the exercise is too light, there's a plane, the exercise is too light or too easy or is going on for too long, again, you're just gonna be using those type one and recycling those over and over. If the resistance is too heavy, on the other hand, like in a power lift, you will only be able to do a few repetitions and you'll probably only recruit the fastest twitch muscle fibers rather than getting into your type one and your intermediate muscle fibers. Again, because if the load is too heavy, your body goes right into recruiting the muscle fibers that are gonna be able to complete that job. For the greatest benefit, we wanna stimulate as many muscle fibers as we can during our strength training workouts. And you can do this by applying the right amount of load to your tissues so that fibers are recruited from slow to intermediate to fast, but not so long to where the slow twitch fibers have a chance to recover and be recruited again and just recycle through. So this is why I tend to think that moderate weight is a great place to be because you can you know, fully fatigue most of your muscle fibers within like a 60 to 90 seconds using moderate weight. Now, resistance and load doesn't have to be how big of a dumbbell you're holding, right? It just has to use an effective lever. So for example, and a lot of people mix this up, they think that, oh, if you're not lifting heavy weights, you're not weight training, or that body weight exercises aren't as effective as holding weights. And that's not necessarily true. It has everything to do with the lever and the effectiveness of the movement and how you're using your own body weight to load and stress muscles. So for example, I talk about this a lot on my Instagram, but a body weight step up loads the glutes with more force than a sumo squat holding like 60 pounds. So even though you're just using your body weight, you're actually loading the glutes with more force and potentially stimulating more fibers doing a step up than you were if you were holding, you know, 60 pounds and doing a sumo deadlift. And this is because of the physics of the exercise. And I'm not going to get into this today because it's just too much, but just remember that yes, weight can be helpful and lifting weights can be great if it's, you know, the right exercise, but it isn't always necessary if you're choosing exercises that are fatiguing your muscles within that 60 to 90 seconds ish timeframe. Now, if you're an Evola member, you don't have to worry about exercise selection. We are selecting the exercises for you. But what I do want you to think about if you're an Evola member is after every set, are you feeling pretty dang cooked and fatigued? Do you feel like you maybe only have three or four reps left before you wouldn't be able to complete the movement? And if you don't, I need you to do a couple things. Either flex harder and you can use what's called perceived effort, meaning that you are literally pretending like you're holding heavier weight than you actually are and squeeze your muscles harder. And this can be a way for you to help recruit those type two muscle fibers or um, go up and wait, or you can pause the video and take a little bit of extra time. But I would really like you to stay within that 60 to 90 seconds time frame, so that we, we kind of have an idea that we're cycling through all of your muscle fibers. Again, doesn't have to be perfect, but on most of your exercises, we kind of want this process to happen. Okay. So although acceleration and speed will add more force, 
You don't have to move fast in order to stimulate your fast twitch muscle fibers. I think that's a misconception that you have to do plyometrics in order to get to those big muscle fibers. And that's not necessarily true because the faster twitch fibers are recruited based on perceived need or perceived load, which means that heavy resistance and slow movement can also recruit them. And this might be a little kinder on your joints than doing something like a plyometric. I'm not saying plyometrics are bad or wrong, but I'm just saying that you can get the same muscular effect by using a heavy enough resistance or a heavy enough load going for the right amount of time. So again, don't feel like you need to use heavy weight or speed to recruit fibers. Just go by how fatigued your muscles feel after that 60 seconds. If you're using body weight in a step up and we get to 60 or 90 seconds and your glutes are feeling cooked, amazing, great. You know, if that 60 second ish mark hits and you feel like you could go a lot longer in whatever exercise we're doing, maybe go up in resistance the next set. Okay. Let's talk a bit about sets and then we'll get specifically into different types of workouts. If your first set is moderate weight. And let's say you fatigue through your type one and your type two a muscle fibers. And again, this is all just theory, hypothetical. Everyone's going to be a bit different. So we don't have to take this like so literally, but this is just kind of an illustration of what could be happening. So your first set, let's say you've gotten through your type one fibers, your slow twitch fibers, and you've gotten through your type two a fibers, some of your intermediate fibers, your type one fibers will reset by the time you get to your second set, but maybe your type 2A fibers haven't, right? Because they do take a little bit longer to recover, which means on set two, maybe your body goes, okay, I'm going to go back to my type 1 fibers because they're ready to go. And then I'm going to skip over and hit my type 2AB fibers, right? The other portion of my intermediate muscle fibers, since 2A aren't recovered and aren't ready to be contracted. And then so on and so on in in subsequent sets, which means that you could potentially get to the fastest twitch muscle fibers by the end of your workout. Um, You can do this in less sets for sure. Like you can just do one set and pretty much get to failure and that, that could be enough. You don't necessarily have to do a lot of sets in order to see this happen, but it is one way that I found that's effective. Okay, so we talked about fiber types. We talked about how to load those fibers. Now let's get into different types of workouts. Remember that there are tons of methods, so I'm making lots of generalizations with these statements. There are so many different types of yoga, so many different types of Pilates and bar and lifting and et cetera, but we'll briefly kind of talk about generalizations of each and how each kind of affects your muscles and your body composition. So we'll start with just traditional weightlifting where your sets are lasting like 60 to 90 seconds and you rest in between your sets or you're working a different muscle group while that muscle group is resetting and you're completing several sets. This is like what we do in my classes, in the Evlo classes, right? We're working our, a certain muscle group and giving it some time to recover while it's recovering. We're doing a superset where we're working, um, or I'm sorry, a circuit where we're working a different muscle group. So to me, this is the most effective way to stimulate muscle growth because you're recruiting as many fibers as you can. Cause again, you're using moderate weight. You're staying within that 60 to 90 seconds after your set, you're feeling pretty dang cooked. You're feeling pretty dang fatigued. Now remember that exercise selection is everything. 
It's less about how much weight you're pushing and more about the exercises themselves and how they are loading and targeting muscles and how they are loading and targeting joints, right? We want them to really load our muscles with the least strain on our joints. And you can do that by applying physics to exercise, which is what we do in our classes. So I'll give you another example. A matrix move, which is a reverse Nordic curl. It's formally called reverse Nordic curl. I call it a matrix move because it looks like you're like defying gravity. It's when you're on your knees, your uh, shoulders, hips, and knees are all kind of in one plane and you lean back. So you're hinging at your knees and leaning back. And this loads the quads very effectively. Now doing this exercise just with your body weight can apply more load to the quads, like much more load to the quads. I don't have the numbers right now. I think I did this on my Instagram recently, much more load to the quads than a squat when you're using, you know, heavy weight or a heavy bar on your back. And this has to do with the lever or the moment arm to the knee. This has to do with how your body is distributed in relation to your quad and how your body is distributed, how your body weight is distributed will add more or less force to the quads. So again, exercise selection is very important. You don't necessarily have to use more weight to see better results. It's more about first choosing an exercise that is mechanically sound, that is stressing muscles less than it's stressing joints. And then we can talk about applying um, extra resistance like dumbbells, bands, cables, things like that. Another recommendation that I have, and this goes for any resistance training, we're still talking about lifting here. This goes for any resistance training, um, but specifically lifting, is to target muscles one by one whenever possible. Now, is it possible to completely isolate one area of your body? Probably not. All of your body you know, kind of works together, but they're called isolation exercises because it's usually just like one joint moving or, or targeting kind of one specific area of your body. So I really do recommend doing that because instead of choosing an exercise that works glutes and core and shoulders and quads, and there's a lot contracting at once and a lot going on at once, try to kind of taper it down and make the movements more simple and more targeted. And it seems like it would save time to do more at once, but it actually doesn't save time because if you aren't getting optimal work to any one of those muscle groups, if you're just kind of getting so, so low to all of them, you'll have to do more exercises in order to fully fatigue each one and in order to fully get great benefit to each muscle group, right? So it ends up you just have to do longer workouts or more exercises. Whereas if you just tease out each muscle group or you know group of muscles one by one and target that group using a really effective exercise that effectively loads it, then you can move on to the next muscle group. So you know, trying to do too much at once doesn't necessarily save time. In fact, it just kind of washes out the benefit of all of the muscles that you're doing, that you're working. In addition, your nervous system can produce better output to muscles when it has less to focus on and stabilize. So again, less is more when it comes to exercise selection. If you can just choose one muscle or a group of, a group of muscles to work you know, one at a time, that might be best uh, for your results. And maybe I'll do an entire podcast about this soon, but for now, just remember that less is more and try to target one muscle or one muscle group at a time during any given exercise. Okay, so how does weightlifting affect your body composition? Well, first, it's important to remember that body composition will not significantly change if your nutrition is not right. 
And this is why I decided to have a registered dietitian on the membership. And she did an entire program. Her name's Catherine Andrews. She did an entire program on the Evelyn membership about eating because how you're fueling your workouts is extremely important. It is the most important piece. Again, I always say you cannot rely on your workouts to either you know lose fat, gain fat, whatever. It's got to be tight nutrition. It's got to be what you're putting in your mouth. So make sure you go watch that. If you're an Evelyn member, make sure you start from module one and go subsequent all the way to module four. But again, don't lean on your workouts to burn off what you ate. You'll just end up with joint pain. You'll end up being frustrated and it's, it's not a good strategy, but how does lifting weights and gaining muscle improve your body composition or aid in helping with your body composition? Because more muscle improves insulin sensitivity, which basically, in short, improves your body's ability to use food as fuel rather than storing it as fat. Remember, we talked about that glycogen. And when we can empty our glycogen stores, instead of being refilled with glycogen and flowing over with glycogen and and using that glycogen as fat, storing it as fat, you can empty those glycogen stores and start to refill them, right? So that's one way. And there's also this new study that I've discussed before. I think I discussed it in my burning calories podcast. I did probably a couple months ago at this point, but, um, this study talks about how muscle can actually break down and burn fat. So having more muscle may actually be able to burn fat. So again, I'll link that study in the show notes. But more muscle can also improve your resting metabolism. Since muscle is very metabolically active, it can improve or, uh, you know, you can burn more calories throughout the day if you have more muscle mass. So over time, adding more muscle can absolutely improve body composition. But remember that adding muscle is a slow process. It doesn't just happen overnight. It doesn't just happen in one month. It happens slowly, especially if you're a woman, um, because a lot of time, a lot of women, you know, have to go slow with this process because it's very hormonal. Okay. So that's lifting weights. Let's next talk about Pilates and bar. And again, I know there's tons of different methods of Pilates and bar, but we're going to do some generalizations just for the sake of this episode. So depending on the exercise, Pilates and bar are generally more of endurance type exercises or workouts. Most Pilates and bar exercises are longer holds, sometimes minutes, and they're usually stimulating your type one fibers and just recycling those type one fibers over and over. Now, this isn't a bad thing, right? Improving the strength of your type one fibers is great for stability and strength. And it may not move the needle for your body composition as much as also incorporating weightlifting into your routine since you probably aren't tapping into those type two muscle fibers. Now, again, this isn't true for every bar or Pilates type exercise. I think a lot of slow abdominal work gets classified as bar Pilates, but a lot of that can still stimulate your type two fibers. For example, the ball crunches that we do in my burn class on Wednesdays, my burn class is like similar to Pilates. Those are freaking hard. You will be cooked in near failure in your rectus abdominis, your abdominal muscles, by the end of that 90 seconds if you're doing them right. 
So there are other examples too within a bar Pilates class, like skiers. Skiers are kind of like what I call a sissy squat for the quads where you're kind of leaning your body back and your knees travel forward. Again, those are really efficient mechanically, which means that there are a lot of load to the quads, which means you probably can't do them for longer than 90 seconds. So just because they're, just because bar and Pilates type movements are slower and sometimes smaller movements, it doesn't mean that they can't tap into those type two fibers. It doesn't mean that your bar or Pilates workouts are only type one fibers. It just depends on the exercises within that workout. But some more endurance type movements like donkey kicks, you know, uh, sideline hip raises or hip circles or bridges or, you know, arm circles, things like that, where you're sustaining a muscle contraction for sometimes minutes and you're targeting the same muscle for minutes. Those movements and exercises are probably more likely to recycle those type one fibers, right? And just be more of that endurance uh, recruitment of your muscle fibers. Again, not bad, just not as effective for building muscle and changing body composition. Okay. So that's Pilates and bar. Next, we'll talk about running quickly. Two types of running I'll talk about is jogging and sprinting. Jogging stimulates type one muscle fibers almost exclusively where, cause it's endurance where sprinting stimulates almost two or sorry, type two muscle fibers almost exclusively. So that's why sprinters will look like jacked and long distance runners will have less muscle and maybe be a little softer. And it's because of the type of muscle fibers that they're recruiting, even though, you know, both is, both are running. It's just that the amount of force production is different verse in sprinting versus long distance running. All right. Finally, let's go over yoga. Again, there are many types of yoga, but we'll talk about one of the more popular styles of yoga, at least in the U S which is vinyasa style. This is where you're flowing between postures. So breath to movement, and maybe you have some brief posture holds. Again, this is probably more of, you know, your type one fiber recruitment, since you aren't really targeting muscles in repetition and fatiguing muscles. Yoga can build type one fiber strength and body control and body awareness, which can absolutely improve the results from your lifting sessions. It can also aid in balancing your nervous system, which is an important aspect in your body's ability to heal and get stronger from your resistance training program. So is there a place for yoga in your in your routine, I definitely think so. Especially if you want to get moving, you want to get moving with your breath, you want to balance the nervous system, you want to actually see better results from the lifting sessions you're doing. I do think that doing a yoga session can be super beneficial if you enjoy it. If you hate it, I don't don't make yourself do it. I don't think you should make yourself really do anything that you hate exercise-wise. So given all of this information, what's the best way to work out? You're like, whoa, that was a lot. Of course, there is no best way. Whatever will keep you consistent, whatever workout you enjoy doing, and whatever workout that is healthy on your joints is great in my book. I think that as a society, we just need to get moving, right? In ways that feel good and don't destroy your joints. However, I have my bias of what I think is best, of course. So let's talk about that. I believe a focus on mostly resistance training and weightlifting is great. Remember, I really would prefer those weightlifting routines to be really targeted towards specific muscles, you know, be really sound mechanically, um, as far as exercise selection, things like that. But 
We also want to make sure that we aren't working our muscles too frequently. So especially if you're tapping into those type two fibers, you need some days in between when you're strength training in order for those type two fibers to recover and get stronger. I did a podcast a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I think it's called like how to know when to take a reset week or something like that. And this could be really helpful for you to do. If you feel like you aren't recovering between your workouts, if you feel like you either are plateauing, you're not going up in weight, or you're almost feeling weaker, I would go listen to that episode because it could mean taking a few extra days off or even a week or longer off could allow those muscles to electrically, you know, electrically recover so that when you come back to your weightlifting routine, you might actually be stronger. So go listen to that episode if you feel like you're hitting a plateau or if you feel like you aren't getting any stronger. Okay, so we've got our weightlifting routine. I like to say, you know, three, three-ish days, two, three days of, of weightlifting is great. And then everything else is kind of sprinkled in. So we do, you know, three heavier lifting classes per week. And then I teach a Pilates class where we're still working those type two muscle fibers in our abdominals specifically. So again, it's really more like four <laughs> days of lifting. And then if you want to add a fifth workout in our membership, at least you can choose between a yoga class, a flow and strengthen class and a bar class. So let's talk about each of those. If you feel like your nervous system needs some extra recovery, so if, if maybe your joints are achy, maybe you're irritable, maybe you're tight, maybe you're really sore and tired, might mean you need an extra day of recovery and not like a really intense workout. If that's the case, I would recommend taking my flow class that I drop every Thursday. If uh, you know, you're feeling pretty good and you want some more like cardio bursts and some yoga flows and more of like an upbeat class, you could take our flow and strengthen class, which is you know, it's a little bit of yoga, it's type one muscle fiber type training and uh, some bursts of cardio. So you could take that. If you're somewhere in between where, you know, you want a little bit of muscle recruitment, but you know, you don't quite want as much heart rate as flow and strengthen would give you, you could take my bar class, which is in between. And again, it's mostly type one endurance muscle fiber recruitment. So I always say that that fifth workout, that our Thursday workout is when it falls for us is not necessary for results. I always say it's just like our bonus class. So it's only there if you want it. Okay. What if you're like, I don't want to work out five days a week. I only have a couple days a week. Can I still gain strength? Can I still get the benefits and body composition? Yes, you can. We have another track where you can do three focused strength training days per week. Mondays, it's full body lifting. Fridays is full body lifting. And on Wednesdays, you're doing a bar class. And in that bar class, we're working type one muscle fibers, but you're also doing type two muscle fibers in the core. So again, can you kind of tweak things to make it work for your body? Absolutely. You can. Okay. What if you're like, I want to work out more than five days a week. I don't recommend it. <laughs> At least not doing seven stressful workouts a week. If you want to do a light yoga class on a Saturday or Sunday, or maybe a gentle walk, I think that's great. But what happens is if you're overstressing your body, you get in the way of your recovery. And when you get in the way of your recovery, you're not actually going to move yourself forward. So I highly recommend in my membership, at least two days of recovery, where again, you're doing something really light. You're really not stressing your muscles. You're really not stressing your system. And not only will this keep your joints happier, but it'll allow you to see better benefits in your muscles. Okay. So that's it. 
Hopefully that was helpful. I know that was a lot. Feel free to listen again if you need to. And if you want to join Evlo where we progressively load our body and our muscles in ways that improve our body's strength without declining our joint health, we'd love to have you. Um, we really select exercises very, very intentionally. We program very intentionally. There's lots of hand holding, so you can go in there and you can build your own schedule and then you just show up for class and we do all the programming for you. So, um, I put a link for seven free classes in the show notes. If you want to try it without putting in your credit card, you can go in, put in your email and all of those classes will be sent to your email. You can take those classes over and over so they don't expire. Now, we also just brought back our free trial membership. So if you want to try the entire membership for free, these are two different things. If you want to try the entire membership for free, you can go to evlofitness.com, evlofitness.com and subscribe and try the entire membership for seven days and take live classes with us and things like that and access the stability category, the mobility category, the recovery category, all of that. Um, and also the nutrition program. And then if you, if it's not for you, you can cancel within that seven days and not get charged. All right. So that's evlofitness.com, evlofitness.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Please don't forget to write me a little review if you have a second and we will see you all next week. Bye.